guys, welcome to the third episode of Profits Over Profits. I'm Salah and I'm here with my friend Connor. And today we're going to be discussing the election and how it pertains to the ongoing unrest and protests in memory of George Floyd and the ongoing police brutality. Connor, how you been doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to keep up with all the news. Um, trying to stay on top of things so that when I need to post about something, I'm informed. I've found that's very important. Something people are looking for more and more these days is data. I realize that Canada does not track a lot of police brutality data. So it's, it's, it's actually pretty difficult to have arguments about Canadian cops. So lately I've been sticking more towards the American ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of incidents that are, I guess, claimed, but not necessarily reported on, especially when it came to how the RCMP, the Canadian equivalent of the FBI, dealt with those protests over the pipeline in Alaska that was going across Native American land. Yeah. In in general, I feel like Native Americans have had it tremendously abhorrent in Canada. For example, one thing that people are a lot of people are surprised to hear about are the Starlight Tours, yeah. which is something that went on well into the 90s and was recorded in Saskatchewan mostly. But what would happen was they would take drunk Native American men, put them in the back of cop cars, and then drive them out 20 miles out of town and just leave them in the winter. And mm-hmm. a lot of these people would end up freezing to death. Yeah, yeah. So it says, as of 2020, despite convictions for related offenses, no Saskatoon police officer has been convicted specifically for having caused freezing deaths. Yeah. And this is something that is recorded. This is not something that's vague. It's not a, a, a conspiracy theory or anything like that. This yeah. is something that we know happened. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of like uh, probably the, the most well-known Canadian example of police brutality. And yeah. no one's ever been held accountable for it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and like we're speaking from the perspective of being Canadians, and there's been like quite a lot of solidarity marches in Canada. And I'm sure that there are a lot of complaints about Canadian police and things like that. But on the whole, they aren't as armed or militarized as American police. There aren't as many clear-cut examples of police brutality that are recorded. Personally, I've never had a great interaction with a cop. None of my interactions with cops have been good. Um, Cops have not... I have not felt served by a cop. Um, A cop, in my opinion, has only ever done the worst thing they could have done in any scenario. You know? Yeah, in my experience. And none of that was necessarily like racial or anything it's just how they act as like kind of an how they act as an enforcer of like a capitalist state um that's just yeah. most what their behavior is intended to be. 
Most of what? Like assholes. They're like, oh. you know, why are you talking to me? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've seen come out in America, Trudeau was like the first, one of the first world leaders. I'm not sure if he was the first, but he was definitely one of the first world leaders to march in a Black Lives Matter protest. He was one of the first to kneel, which the Democrats did, I think, today, <laughs> June 8th. Yeah, they, they put on, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but Kinti cloth, like some traditional yeah. African cloth. And they yeah, kneel. I saw that. That was that was so absurd. Yeah, it's like, pretty cringe. Who who would have thought that was a good idea? Honestly, it was quite the horse and pony show. But yeah, so he was one of the first to do that. But contrasting that with the American responses we've seen, I don't think. I mean, Black Lives Matter was a debate topic in the American presidential presidential election. I don't think anybody besides Bernie outright said Black Lives Matter. Although Mitt Romney said it yesterday out of protest. Yeah, not as a presidential candidate or anything. No, he doesn't but have any anything to lose politically anymore. Has Obama said it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but Obama no. did call the Baltimore protesters thugs. Oh, geez. So that's notable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a lot of people give statements on the looting and the rioting and the protesting in the past close to two weeks by the time this comes out. Um, But yeah, we've had a lot of people give statements and we've seen a lot of contrast in the way people give statements. What has stood true is that a lot of corporations are saying Black Lives Matter and Biden hasn't. While Biden has offered the same empty platitudes that got Obama elected, Trump has outright said, like, we're going to start shooting you guys and started calling them thugs and things like that. Biden hasn't offered any kind of real feedback to this. No, Biden's fighting right now. He's officially the nominee now. He has the... He's met the delegate threshold, so come November, Biden will officially be the Democratic nominee. So I think he's just hiding because of his obvious health issues. And I really hope we get to see a debate in the fall. Uh, But beyond that, I don't expect to see him much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Even my wife was like... She was confused how Biden was the nominee when he has had zero TV presence. No one's seen him. Yeah. Um, he's he's had a, like minute segments on MSNBC. He's had tweets come out, which he definitely did not write. He, he did um, have the interview with Charlemagne the God. What word? When he that, said... <laughs> If you vote for Trump over me, you ain't black. It wasn't even like if you vote for Trump instead of me, you're not black. It was straight up if you don't vote for me. Like if if black people decided to abstain or if they weren't yeah, third party, yeah, you're not black. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's insane. I think that's why they keep him in hiding because every time he opens his mouth, it's just... Yeah, he like, said some some sentence that belongs in the 60s 
it's just ridiculous. But what is especially notable, like we said, like, I don't think Obama said anything about that. And under Obama, we've had the Ferguson protests and the Baltimore protests. Right. We've had both of those incidents. It wasn't like police brutality evaporated under any kind of democratic institution. No. On the contrary, a lot of Democrats are in power. And not to say that Democrats are endorsing police brutality, but police brutality happens in their states, in their cities, in their municipalities, and they're not doing anything about it. Yeah, I right? mean, at, at best, Democrats don't care about police brutality. I think in a lot of cases, it actually serves their interests. But at best, the, the established Democrats don't care about it. So this takes me back to probably the first recorded case of police brutality, which is the Rodney King beating. So the, the Rodney King case was, as far as I know, essentially, Rodney King was driving somewhere. He was a construction worker. Cops pulled him over. Yeah. And someone just, I think, happened to be filming the highway or something. And they filmed the cops uh, beating up Rodney King. And it started a big uproar in L.A. And I think it led to the L.A. Uh, race riots. And what really started it off, what really kicked it off, was that these guys got off with nothing. They had a trial, but nothing came of it. Uh, that's when you had the race riots where you have like a lot of Reddit posts about like, which, by the way, I believe is honestly some kind of propaganda there's a lot of those photos uh, where you have those rooftop koreans stuff. yeah the yeah. rooftop koreans yeah. and it's just an opportunity i feel like every time in the comments people start going yeah these guys were just protecting their stores from like thugs right and it paints the entire race riots that were in 1992 yeah uh it paints them all as just Crazy. just mindless violence right. yeah riding and destroying property and shops, small businesses, a lot like the right wing is portraying the protest today. So essentially what happened right after that, right, was in quick succession in 1992, Joe Biden proposed something called the, and this is in response to the Rodney King stuff, Joe Biden proposed something called the Police Bill of Rights. Yeah, so... Biden was working closely with a guy named Tom Scotto, who was the president of the National Association of Police Organizations, which represents 220,000 police department employees across the United States. So Scotto said about his process of getting Joe Biden to write pro-police things into this bill. He said there wasn't one thing where Biden said no. What this, I guess, Bill of Rights or Police Bill of Rights was intended to do was to protect the police from criticism. It was not intended, just to clarify, it was not intended to reform the police so that this doesn't happen again or anything like that. And some kind of like watered down version of this actually ended up in his uh, crime bill 
that he wrote in 1994. Joe Biden bragged about a harsh 1992 crime bill that did everything but hang people for jaywalking. Yeah. So he's, he's, it's kind of ironic almost that Biden is now the nominee in light of what's happening today because he's worked so hard to expand the police state. And now he's being positioned somehow as somebody who's supposed to fight that police state against somebody who's weaponizing it, namely Trump. Right. So that one interesting thing to note, if you're comparing Joe Biden and Donald Trump is that if you're looking at criminal justice and police, et cetera, Joe Biden's record has been significantly worse than Trump's has over his last three and a half years. So Biden wrote at least one major crime bill that made the war on drugs much larger. It made the like the prison sentences a lot harsher. He gave a lot more funding to the police. He increased their their powers to overreach. I think really the only thing Trump has, has done in that domain, like concretely, is say nice things. As far as I know, he, he hasn't like put forth any bills that actually change the facts on the ground like Biden did. Yeah, I would say so. I haven't really seen any kind of activity from that. I mean, he has pardoned that one sheriff that was super racist. I think it was like Joe Arpaio or yeah, something. Yeah, Joe Arpaio. I think he's also a pedophile. But yeah. Potentially. Uh, like, honestly, it's not outside the realm. I haven't even looked into it, but not even yeah, outside the realm of possibility. Him. After like endorsing Roy Moore, like anything's possible. Yeah. He, he's also like endorsed, in a sense, police brutality during his campaign uh, in the 2016 campaign. He was saying something along the lines of like, if you're arresting somebody, just smack his head against the top of the car as you're like let, putting him in the car. Um, yeah, definitely. Like his record is by no means good. But if this is an issue where you're trying to decide between Biden and Trump, um, definitely look into Biden's record. He's, yeah. he's sort of... He's sort of positioning himself now as more of a progressive because he realizes that's where his party is going. I don't think he realizes anything. I think it's his campaign that's realizing it. I don't think he's sentient. Yeah, his staffers realize it. But the point is that's not that's not his record. Yeah. He was very tough. He he was basically a, a Republican because when he was a senator or a big time senator in the early 90s, most Democrats tried to appear harsh on crime and socially conservative because they felt like that was the way to win over moderate, moderate Republicans. Yeah. I think this is the election to write in a third party or independent party or to even just write in another Democratic nominee. I mean, when we can get I into I wonder that. which one you mean. <laughs> I mean, like, look, honestly, 
Cory Booker. I, I don't know if it's me who's just had his standards drop, but I'm like, honestly, guys, just write in anybody. Write in Warren, write in Booker. But I, nobody was expecting Biden to even show up to these elections. Well, no one was expecting Biden to pull in any state that had an internet connection. You know what I mean? Man, the weird thing was... Before any of the primaries started, like late 2019, everyone was saying it's either going to be Biden or Bernie. You know, they have the the name recognition. They've been around for decades. And then the first few primaries happened and Bernie was leading with like Buttigieg in second place and, and Warren in third. And Biden was like fifth or sixth so everyone kind of just forgot about him and they thought like okay he's through don't worry about it and then he won south carolina by a big margin to be fair and then he got obama to call all the other candidates and get them to endorse him and then the rest is is history that was that was just unreal what happened. It was ridiculous, man. Like somebody who came in from fifth place to win. I mean, yeah. well, there's I- no way that was true. There's no way. Like if you look at the number of of donations to Bernie and the number of donations to Biden across the country, it makes zero sense that Biden won without some degree of manipulation. So, you know, you- Here's I'm what not, people, not... here's what yeah, people should remember. The Democratic Party got together and pulled all of its power not to give you health care, not to give you free college, not to get you out of jail for having a joint on you, but to push forward an almost 80-year-old guy who used to work with segregationists and wrote the 94 crime bill. That's the Democratic Party. Yeah. There's this one article that kind of goes in depth on the link between racism or police brutality and capitalism. And to keep this in mind, everyone should be aware of the 13th Amendment and what that is is essentially something that abolishes slavery except in the case of prisoners. And what that means is when you say when your justice system indiscriminately sentences black men at a higher rate for longer periods of time for lesser crimes, then what you're essentially doing is you're putting these black men back into the slavery ecosystem right that's kind of what it is and police brutality feeds into that very directly right police brutality is not just beating some black dude or killing him it's more than that it's subjugating the entire community to that you know it's traumatizing these kids it's building this disrespect for the law and then capitalizing on that or cashing in on that depressingly enough by arresting kids who 
say, well, the law has never worked for me. Why would I work for it? Or even cashing in on like even stop and frisk, for example, in New York, which is like one of the most famously liberal cities, stop and frisk in New York was like 95% of the targets, I think, or 90% of the targets were black people or people of color, you know? So when you indiscriminately do that, you're not just saying, okay, well, any prisoner is going to be a slave. You're pretty much trying to get black people exclusively re-enter that system, you know? And when you go back to the fact that Biden was a segregationist and Biden has contributed to expanding that police state by militarizing the police, by expanding those same harsher prison sentences, even in the racism in his dealings in the Senate, but with the Anita Hill hearings, he's clearly trying, he's clearly not he's clearly indifferent about the justice system and the racism within it, you know, and he's trying to expand that racism as much as possible. And you can say like, I mean, his record in the Senate speaks for itself, but the fact that he was vice president for eight years under Obama and you didn't see him March when Obama marched, you didn't see him, you know, make any, absolute statements when Obama did, he had zero presence even as a vice president. And arguments can be made that the vice presidency is useless. Kind of like being a cop. Kind of like being a cop, exactly. I I think that's where he relates mostly. He stayed in the background. He he went with the flow. You know, like, unfortunately, people are being told to vote which would make sense if a guy who was for most intents and purposes worse than Trump on this issue, if that guy wasn't the only alternative, then it might make sense. Yeah. And one thing that you see a lot of, not not just conservatives, but also a lot of liberals and even some leftists actually, or progressives say is you should vote them out. And it's kind of throwing away the fact that Obama was president. Like he was voted in. He was, yeah, I guess, uh-huh. idealistically, maybe falsely, but he was ideally supposed to be the solution to everything. People are forgetting that a lot of this brutality, like the NYPD or the LAPD, is happening in very liberal and Democrat states and municipalities. Not to say it doesn't also happen in conservative states or red states, but blue states aren't solving it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the worst of it is actually coming from the blue states. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Enough. And I think that's just because there's a lot more black people in blue states, to be honest. I'm not sure that it can be attributed to just Democratic leaders, but I don't think Democratic leaders are moving the needle at all. So... One thing to mention is what the ask for these protests are, or like one of the most common asks for the protests are, is defunding the police, right? Right. So when you talk about, yeah, so when you talk about voting, whose platform is it that you can vote for that will defund the police? You know, every single solution I've seen, even Kamala Harris's solution, who used to be a cop, 
is unsurprisingly not anti-police funding or anti-police militarization, you know? And when you say defund the police, let's just clarify that you might have a little more information than me on this, but defunding the police refers to getting specialists and community welfare specialists to replace the majority of the armed forces in the police force. So you wouldn't have a cop with a gun pulling someone over who's speeding. You wouldn't have a cop with a gun go in when some kid is having a mental breakdown. You wouldn't have a cop with a gun show up to high schools. You wouldn't have a cop with a gun show up to domestic abuse situations by himself or herself. You know, you have a therapist, you'd have a community enforcer, you'd have a force that's made up by the community members, right? Yeah, like easily 95 plus percent of what cops spend their time on day in and day out, you do not need a gun for. You should not have a gun for. You don't need a gun to direct traffic. You don't need a gun to manage a crowd during a sports event. You don't need a gun to catch people speeding on the highway. What defund the police means is shift a significant amount of police resources from police to social programs that will actually benefit people. So you have to lay off cops. That means you hire social workers who do those jobs better than cops do. Exactly. And it's important to note that a lot of countries have unarmed police forces, right? Um, If you look at like England, most of them are unarmed and they've been doing well. So maybe it's, maybe it's worth thinking for a second about why there is so much resistance to defunding the police. And yeah, ultimately at the root of it, is that the elite need their property and their lifestyles protected by force. Yeah, exactly. It it should be noted that the police in general, and I don't like to conflate race issues with capitalist issues in order to not detract from the race issues. But in this specific case, unfortunately, and like horrifyingly, Uh, the police and capitalism are intertwined because the police started as a system to catch runaway slaves in a lot of states. So it has always been a system of oppressing black people and maintaining the supremacy of the capitalists. Like even if you look at white people getting brutalized by cops, right? The white people getting brutalized by cops it's still higher than the majority of any other developed nation. Yes, black people get killed 2.5 times more than white people by cops, but white people are still uh, head and shoulders above any other developed nation, which kind of goes to show how bad black people have it here. So that's kind of the point, is that none of this is going to change if you have a candidate who is in the pockets of the corporate elite. Well, and three months ago, Biden kept saying about Bernie 
the country doesn't want a revolution. The country doesn't want a revolution. Well, I think they do. Look at what's happening now. Yeah. So I think that in the face of everything that's happening, all the protests and rioting, to say vote them out or bully them at the voting booth, knowing full well what the options are at the voting booth and knowing full well what can be achieved by that, it's an insult. Yeah, 100%. Them saying vote is just them trying to get you out of the street because they know if you stay in the street, they're going to be forced to change. But they know if they can convince you to relax and vote, they're all good. The idea is the Minneapolis City Council where George Floyd was murdered, they have gathered and are looking into removing the police entirely in their current state, at least, right? That revolution of burning down all three precincts, that is what pushed Minneapolis to say, okay, maybe we should completely disband the police and defund them and rebuild it from the ground up into something that actually serves the community. Interesting to see what kind of impact that has as long as they stick to their word and as long as it's not just some PR thing. I think that they could potentially be in a position to lead the rest of the country. And honestly, I think that they should. Even from the perspective of the protests, the fact that burning down those police stations was such a direct statement and it got such a direct result. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of rioting I get behind. Exactly. Like, that's, that's... That one I fully endorse. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to tiptoe around it like the way I do with looting. And it kind of is reminiscent of the results that came after something that's not very talked about, but the riots that came after Martin Luther King's assassination. People started rioting after MLK was assassinated. And literally within like six days of the riot starting some bill was like passed for civil rights. Like they just shoved it through because the rioting was working so well. So think about it this way. Would a major city like Minneapolis ever have said we're seriously considering getting rid of or dismantling our police force if these protests were not happening? Would they have ever said that after centuries of voting i don't think so and to think that these protests are just gonna and and one thing that like i've absolutely loved um i guess hated but also loved to see was how many recorded incidents of police brutality there were against these protests and comparing them to the same international incidents that americans love to criticize And that's not to say that those incidents, like let's say whether it's Turkey or China or whomever, are free of criticism, but it just goes to show that America has always positioned itself or like painted itself as above the rest, and it absolutely was not. Yeah, it's it's called American exceptionalism. I was saying protesting works. Voting at best 
works over a very long time span. But protesting works very quickly. Look at all the changes we've seen over the last week and a half. Look at Minneapolis talking about getting rid of its police force. Even yeah. New York State has come up with new rules for cops. Look at the yeah. that were charged for pushing over that old man in Buffalo. That that was ridiculous because a lot like something like fifty seven cops resigned because those two cops were getting investigated. Like yeah. they they resigned in the wrong direction. They weren't resigning in protest of that brutality. They were resigning because that brutality was getting to some like tiny extent being held accountable. Yeah. You know? So there's, and, there's something called qualified immunity. And yeah. that's essentially a a court decision that was made that determined that cops are cops can be held to lower standards than regular people. It's a type of immunity. So if a cop assaults someone, they can be held to a, to a lower standard of responsibility and accountability than a regular person. That's obviously despite this person choosing to be a cop as their profession, despite their training, despite laws that they know better than most other people. Um, and that, that's something that needs to change. That's something yeah. we're really seeing um, as a immediate short-term demand from different protesting groups to, to end qualified immunity. Yeah, and to show just how menial the offerings from certain certain cities are, San Francisco recently offered or wants to implement a policy that says we're not going to hire cops with previous histories of misconduct. As if that should not be the norm. Like that should not be like, how is that not the obvious already the obvious protocol? It's like when when McDonald's says their Big Mac patties are now 100% beef. It's like, well, what were they before? Say what? There's no federal database or registry for cop offenses. That's why we see so often on the rare occasion a cop does get fired, he just moves two towns over and gets the same job. Yeah. Something else we need right away. Yeah. I think that what the point you made was a really good point to end the show on, which is, after the uh, after the Martin Luther King assassination riots in 1968, a bunch of bills got passed, and we see that reflected in Minneapolis today, which is that if they had not burned down those precincts, there is no way the conversation would even be. I mean, leftists have been pushing for the whole defund the police kind of conversation for a long time, but that would not have gained any traction if the riots had not burn down those precincts. Yeah. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just that protesting works. It's that rioting works. Rioting begets change. You know, you got to get a little scary. Yeah, exactly. I mean, remember, like I said, even the liberals, their favorite slogan was make racists afraid again. (laughs) They believe that fear works. They believe that that's what needs to happen. They're not 
their slogan isn't debate racists on the public stage. Fear is sometimes instrumental to get things to work. And that's sad. You know, that's, it's really sad that that's the case. I I wish it wasn't, you You know, know, just so we're clear, everyone, we're not talking about, you know, fear of being killed or looted by protesters. We're talking about politicians and police being afraid of being held accountable themselves. Yeah. And they're afraid of losing some element of their power. So it's not a primal kind of fear. It's not the fear that a black person feels when they're being arrested by a cop. It's actually a privileged kind of fear where you fear an institution. You don't fear dying yourself. You fear a decrease in your power. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And that's fine. That's understandable. You know, like, I don't expect the politician to just be like, all right, I'm going to give up my seat to, you know, the Black Lives Matter leader or spokesperson. Yeah, exactly. They're not they're not going to do that. But that's kind of the idea is that these these riots, they're needed. You need to get some kind of fear in order to get some kind of result. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening again. It's been Connor and Salah. Uh, Keep out there. Stay in the streets. You're doing great, sweetie.